once you tell a friend to bring a friend to bring a friend to bring a friend um, and kind of just make the event as appealing as possible, you've got yourself a guest list. Hey everyone, this is Nazara Keo from Max Pro. Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Paul. And we're Love and Pebbles. Hi, this is Lopa Vandermersch from Rasa. Oh, you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening to, to the Ecom Show. Welcome to the Ecom Show, presented by Blue Tusker. The number one place to hear the inside scoop from other e-commerce experts, where they share their secrets on how they scaled their business and are now living the dream. Now, here is your host, Andrew Mapp. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Ecom Show. I'm your host, Andrew Mapp, and today I'm joined by the amazing Jolene Nahare of Beverly Hills Laundry. Jolene, how are you doing? Ready Thank for a good you show? so much for having me, Andrew. Doing well. Sun is finally back out in LA this weekend and this week. So excited to chat with you. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Beautiful. Yes. As, as of the moment of this recording, you guys are finally clean and clear of the countless days of rain you had, right? Exactly. LA storm. Right. <laughs> oh, fun. The one time you guys get them. <laughs> um, <laughs> But obviously, very appreciative of you joining us today. Um, super excited for this one. I've obviously been reading into your story. Really excited to get into it. Um, I like to always start off with the stereotypical approach and just kind of allow you to give us a little bit of your background, where you guys started and where you're at, and we can kind of go from there. Definitely. Uh, I'll take you way back to the beginning. Um, I'm 24 now. I was 17 at the time where we came up with the idea of the business, where it was kind of brought on to us. And um, I can try to make this quick, but uh, forgive me if it's not. I went to USC as a pre-med student, and I switched around my major four or five times within like psychology, gerontology. I tried three in the Keck School of Medicine. It wasn't for me, but I didn't know what was for me. And my sister had just graduated USC at the time in communications and a minor in entrepreneurship. And she knew no matter what, she was going to be an entrepreneur. It wasn't about the idea. It was about the lifestyle that she wanted, the job that she wanted, the the like passion and desire she wanted to fill in herself. So she was fresh out of college. She's five years older. She's 29. She was fresh out of college kind of just trying to come up with ideas, trying to problem solve, fill the white spaces um, in our lifestyles and our lives, because obviously being your target consumer is one of the most ideal things for an entrepreneur. And it was my dad actually who had, and he's a corporate tax accountant, so he has nothing to do with this industry at all. (laughs) It was him who was like, there is something that is not taken and it's called Beverly Hills Lingerie. And Even though you two have no fashion expertise or experience or background, I believe in you as entrepreneurs. I will support you and help you launch this business. So we worked for a year and a half before launching, just learning more about the industry. We went to every trade show, LA, Vegas, New York, Hong Kong, just trying to learn more, talk to people, learn about manufacturing, learning about wholesale, marketing, branding. And that was where it was easier for us because we were in our 20s and uh, or me and my teens. And at USC, there was a time where every girl was trying to wear like a lace bodysuit or a lace bralette with 
with jeans or, you know, leather pants and heels and take it to the club. And there wasn't exactly a brand that marketed that. It was really like, if you were bold and you had style, you know what to do with your Victoria's Secret bodysuit. So we were looking to fill that white space. And personally, I don't think I would thrive as an entrepreneur who didn't have such a niche. And we ran with that niche and we trademarked the tagline lingerie for a night in or a night out. And that's kind of our brand value and mission to encourage girls and show them how to style lingerie for a night in and a night out. Beautiful. And so your sister, Celine, who obviously wasn't able to join us today. Um, so you guys start this brand, you get it off the ground, your dad who supported you. And by the way, I'm sure has got your books flawless. And is exactly. From a, <laughs> that's, yes. that's always great to have a, a tax account in the family. Absolutely. Um, but so you launch this brand. So um, one of the things I know I want to touch on, because I've done this before as well, uh, is working with family is always interesting. What is it like working with your sister and how have you kind of delegated roles? Who who kind of oversees what? Totally. Um, two parts to that. The first part I would say really quickly is that delegating roles became very, very natural for us. It was kind of just like strengths and weaknesses and whoever whoever kind of took over a task first. And it was so, so natural the way it came about. Obviously, I'm Gen Z. I'm a bit younger. So TikTok and Instagram were like a little bit easier for me to spread my wings <laughs> in. And then, um, and for her- Is she, she going to be offended by that comment? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she owns it. She's like, my sister's Gen Z. I'm Asian. Like she teaches me everything I know about social media, which by the way, she's not. It's just so funny how I think I'm so much more- um, so much more, you know, adverse with it. So that's where that came about. And she naturally, when I was still at USC, naturally, she was kind of doing the legal stuff, setting up the business and mm. uh, meeting lawyers and all that stuff. So that was more her realm. In terms of working together, it's definitely not easy. And um, it requires effort, just like any relationship. And I say that I just got married. And I say that the same in a marriage or a friendship or, you know, whatever, whatever relationship that you care about, it takes effort. And I count that as a full-time job. I count my marriage as a full-time job. I count my relationship with my sister as a full-time job in our full-time job. So, um, we, we learned a lot about each other. We started as best friends. We would, you know, do anything for each other. The thing that I think was most important for us and still is the most important key element in being good business partners is knowing our sisterhood like supersedes all. It's kind of superior to anything um, money related or, you know, I'd have to say business related because family is all you have. And we knew that going into it. And I think that was the only reason that my parents and my dad especially was comfortable letting us do this together. Um, going to business with your family, I think the relationship is the most important thing to have first the foundation and mm -hmm. then to start a business. And I, I'm around a lot of sibling entrepreneurs in LA and a lot of them kind of think that the relationship will, will be formed or even solved while working together. But that doesn't even make sense because there's not that much time to like, you know, start the foundation of a relationship while working, but definitely the effort is daily maintenance. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you know, you being on the Gen Z side, your, you know, 
you've got the the TikTok, Instagram side of stuff down. So is, is most of your role primarily on the marketing side and her role primarily on the operational side? Or is there still kind of some overlap? There is still so much overlap, which I really like at the moment. I don't know when that's going to change, but I really like that um, in our fourth year of business, we're still running things by each other, doing things together, getting ideas and collaborating together. Um, I think primarily I'd say again, like, like I said, she's more legal and I'm maybe more, um, like trend castery. I'd follow trends more. I'd bring them to our attention. I try to incorporate them in the brand. Those are the main differences. So on the marketing side, uh, one of the things I was very excited to talk to you about is you're, uh, about four years into the business as you mentioned, and you barely have touched anything from an advertising perspective. And so then the other thing that's also very interesting is normally when that's the case, I talk to someone, they're like, yeah, we had a big social media presence and we did all this and all that, which I'm sure you guys did as well. But you took more of a different like offline guerrilla approach of actually going to events and, and you know, clubs and stuff within the LA area. Am I right? Exactly. Yes. Um, we just thought that growing community, growing a loyal fan base, um, kind of per location would be, would be the best way to build a long lasting, like classic brand. And there are so many overnight success stories that you see, and they really came about on Instagram and social media. And I have nothing against that at all, but it's hard to sustain and maintain a brand like that when there's no sense of community and having been born and raised in LA or in Beverly Hills to be more specific and having a brand whose name includes Beverly Hills and um, having just a close, close network of family and friends is so much more valuable than strangers who may forget about you or move on to the next big thing that catches their attention on Instagram, for example. And I think both are necessary, but that is where we felt was our strongest suit to start in the beginning with throwing mm-hmm. events and like I said, or like you said, guerrilla marketing, offline marketing. And so were you sponsoring these events or were you kind of just doing almost like an influencer approach where you know people who are going to like a certain club that night or something, you're like, hey, let me dress you and then just tell people where you got this. All of it. Every avenue that we could reach, we would. Um, A lot of it was hosting, hosting events. Um, NARS make a brand. They have a boutique on Melrose Avenue. They invited us to do like a holiday pop-up there. Same as Bash from Paris. They're on Beverly Drive. And Beverly Hills have invited us to do like Valentine's pop-ups there. When we were launching into Fred Siegel on Sunset Boulevard in West Hollywood, we had the idea to throw a party there and get DJ, have, you know, our network of F&B sponsors host as well. And we had an awesome guest list, BFA covered images. Um, the influencers were able to take anything off the rack and dress themselves and take it home as a gift. So that was like one idea and things like that were actually really helpful for us, really beneficial for us in the beginning. And they still are, but some things that I think some entrepreneurs or brand owners will kind of wait to do. They'll kind of wait, you know, I'll, oh, I'll do that when I get bigger. I'll do that when I get bigger. I can fill a room of 200 people once I have enough following and I'm confident enough that people will show up. But once you tell a friend to bring a friend to bring a friend to bring a friend um, and kind of just make the event as appealing as possible, you've got yourself a guest list. We had, we've had a couple events, actually, one with a dating app in Beverly Hills. And it had like a 700 person line wrapping around the block 
And oh, yeah. um, another event, actually, yeah, we it was Valentine's Day. We rented out a really hot club from France that opened up in West Hollywood. There were like 550 people waiting outside or something. I, I mean, these are the things that we love about the brand and being our own target consumer and being young, you know, sisters. So we, we also, again, to a, to another note, actually, um, we'd like to be the face of the brand. We'd like to have be the narrative. Mm-hmm. The whole sister founder story, I think is really rare and special. Yeah. You know, you, you, your approach is very, um, it, it's very commendable. You, you find a lot of people that, you know, primarily sell online, they launch a product and they usually revert immediately to social media, paid advertising, SEO, like one of the traditional approaches. And in my opinion, it's because they're partially afraid of what the market's going to say and they want to be able to hide if it fails. Totally. Whether that's true or not, it could just be my horrible opinion on it. But at the same time, you guys went out there and you immediately put your face to the brand and immediately started like, this product is mine. I'd like you to wear it. You know, and really started pushing it before you even did more of the traditional type of you know approach of, of a lot of right. the stuff I had mentioned, which is awesome. And so you had also mentioned you know that you guys are just now kind of diving into a little bit of paid ads. What have you started to map out what your uh, marketing approach is going to be from more of a traditional like uh, digital side to get more awareness outside of LA? Totally. And we have dabbled with digital ads, actually. I'll give you our whole experience with it. We, um, at the second year of our business, we wanted to hire an agency to handle these things. At first, we were able to do small little amounts on Shopify. Shopify is awesome for marketing. They'll allow you to like, you know, with credit card details, just start a campaign on Google ads, Pinterest, Facebook, mm-hmm. um, even Instagram. It was really easy to boost posts at that time in like 2018, 2019. And once we started going out interviewing agencies to hire, it didn't feel that different um, from doing the marketing yourself. Once, you know, you learn, you learn how to use Facebook manager, ads manager, it didn't feel too different. Um, So we had, we interviewed a ton of places. We learned a lot about digital ads, digital paid ads. And we're working now with one that we love and hopefully we'll we'll get out our digital ads soon and that'll be our journey moving forward and our marketing campaign moving forward. Nice. Have you considered going in like the influencer direction? We did actually. That was that was with uh in combination with events with offline mm-hmm. marketing whatever whatever else we did. Um that was that was something we did a lot, but something interesting also now that we're touching on influencers, when we had a whole network of influencers, social media stars in LA, we were like, why would we ship to every single one of them just to put it, to have a story tag? Because it wasn't like we could use the content as we're a lingerie company. We weren't really happy with a lot of the content they would produce and we couldn't really use it. And we have the same problem with UGC. So hmm. we were like, why don't we have events? We're going to get the same amount of story tags, if not plenty more than we would gift 
to these to these girls. So that was another thing which I forgot to touch on about the events. We had so many photo moments, so many story tags, so much social media um, like business and presence and at that time. So that was really helpful. What was I'm forgetting your question that I'm supposed to be No, answering. actually it's a, <laughs> no, it's actually a really good point I didn't even think about. It's I mean you live in the influencer marketing capital of the world, I assume. And so right. to I ship it out to ship it out it actually I guess that's kind of a good point is like why go to them if you can just have them come to you. So I, totally. I why why ship it out cuz the only thing we wanted was a story tag. And I know some some other brands they yeah. love influencer content. I, I mean I love UGC as well. Um but why why not and have these amazing photo moments and then have an even cooler story to show when they're posting and tagging the sister founders and it's at this really cool nightclub and it's for Valentine's Day and the mood you yeah. really feel like you grasp the brand theme better in those photos than you would in, um, you know, just a basic unboxing or something like that. It's a very good point. Um, one of the things I was interested about, cause it, it's always interesting when I speak to, you know, an entrepreneur that that's younger, uh, you know, your, your sister's a little closer to my age. You're a little younger. What, what's the, what do you think the goal is with the business? Do you guys have a plan of like, you know, one day we want to exit it or is the thought of just like, we're just going to take this thing as far as it can go. Have you had that, that conversation it. yet? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's definitely the idea just to take it as far as we can go. Um, where we see, where we see fit and the laundry industry is a classic. Of course, it's a $40 billion industry annually. So it's not going anywhere. Like people aren't going to stop needing underwear at some point or, or stop wearing these kinds of things. It's just a closet staple. So mm-hmm. we'll just take it as far as we can. I'm hoping to be global and retail stores. So tons of people can discover our products. And I also think that there's a big gap in the lingerie industry of trendy, cool, sexy, but also affordable because there's your La Perla and Asian Provocateur, but their robes run up to like $1,500, for example. And then there are some that are... Crazy. Right, totally. And then there are just some that are, of course, lower quality, but lower price points and maybe a bit trashy. And there are some girls that want the affordable luxury and want to feel sexy and classy in their items, but don't know where to go. And we're hoping to fill that white space. And we just had actually um, a distributor tell us that they felt the same about our brands and how they have Calvin Klein and Fleur du Mall and some of these other big brands, but they don't fill the white space that we're necessarily trying to fill. How many retail stores are you in right now? Right now, we're just on some um, global online platforms, hoping to expand into more. I think we're on like seven or eight and we drop okay. ship. Oh, well, that makes sense. Have you thought about what that business model looks like if you go retail versus if you stay more D2C like you are now? Yes. And I think lingerie is such um, an intimate purchase. It's very emotional. People love feeling it, feeling the quality, feeling the fabric, the material, because it's so close to their body. And this is what I've heard from several consumers as well. So I think retail is always a good route for our industry, for our brand. But I don't think D2C shopping is going anywhere. So just hoping to hit and stay at all avenues that we can, all channels. Yeah. 
The only thing that I don't think we'll ever do is open our own brick and mortar store. You don't think you'll do it? I don't think we would do that. Yeah. Have you done, I guess technically your events are are kind of like pop-up-esque, right? So do you consider those those are your pop-ups? Totally. We sell a lot at those those events as well. Yeah. And you know, your your response on why you would go to retail, it you know, it makes a lot of sense. I never thought of it that way. I know every time I talk to someone about going to retail, it's a it's a different beast. It's a different ball game of of how you gotta get people to the you know, to the stores and if they don't rebuy, it becomes a whole problem and then just finding a good distributor is a whole nightmare. D2C Definitely. tends to be a little bit easier, but similar to like I had said before is like, you know, you tend to get the e-commerce sellers that like to just hide behind their computers and sell stuff all day. Totally. Um, so totally. it's, and I would imagine in, I know in apparel, this is the case in, in lingerie specifically, I'm not sure, but like you would probably have less returns retail than you would D2C, right? I agree. Totally. Yeah. Once they try it on until I mean, there's, there's no point to come back and return it. If you've tried it on, you liked enough to buy it. So that's a good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, what about like the marketplaces for apparel? It's always a very interesting question. Like, would you bother going the Amazon route? I would assume not like the Walmart route, but like any other like type of marketplace where, you know, it tends to be, you know, the niche products aren't exactly always as available. Totally. I wouldn't mind making a sub collection for these big retailers. Actually, I think Target would love something like this. Um, just like affordable luxury, which is mm-hmm. how we brand it. Um, it would, it would, it would be definitely like a sub collection. Um, but yeah, definitely even something for Amazon and selling on Amazon doesn't hurt at all. Nice. That would be very interesting. I'm, it, it's always, you know, your, your category, I've had a couple people on the show where it's like, you know, it's underwear. We've had like sex toys before. We've had like it's uh-huh. the size, the different sides of things where it's like, you're in that weird, you could go the direct D to C route. You could go retail. It's sometimes, you know, sometimes there's uh platforms that don't let you on there. And sometimes there's others where you're supposed to be on there and you shouldn't need to be like, it's a right. very interesting um, you know, it's a very interesting niche that you guys have, have started to carve out. Um, but I know you're super busy. Jolene, thank you so much for being on the show. Obviously, please send uh, Celine our regards. We were bummed that we couldn't have the duo. But Aww. thank you so much. Uh, I'd love to give you an opportunity here. Let everyone know where they can find out more about you and obviously more about Beverly Hills Lingerie. Definitely. We are just at Beverly Hills Lingerie on Instagram, beverlyhillslingerie.com. Um, we love messages, opinions, suggestions, comments, questions. So please, please send um, send through. You'll find us shop BHL on Twitter and Facebook, and a few platforms like Bear Shop, Garmentory, and Wolf and Badger. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Everyone who tuned in, of course, thank you as well. Please make sure you do the usual rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff on whichever podcast platform you want or head over to ecomshow.com to watch all of our previous episodes. But as usual, thank you all for joining. Jolene, thank you as well. And everyone, we'll see you all next time. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to the Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. 
Go to bluetusker.com now for more information. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of The Ecom Show.